Scott, uh, this week I'm joined by Sam Freeman. Hello, and Adam Yanch. Hello, and we also have a special and... guest, a returning special guest, uh, Frank Bry. Hello, Frank. Hello. Uh, it's Bree, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I even listened back to our last interview with you as well. That's that's shocking me. So no, Frank it's okay. Bree... It's common. Yeah, Frank Bree, who many of you will know as the recordist, um, which is which is great stuff. So Frank's Thank joining you. us because uh, we we noticed you've been having some woes with Avid, and uh, while it is Avid week really with the release of Pro Tools 11, this is actually an issue going back to Pro Tools 9 and 10. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about the well the discovery you have made, perhaps? Well, um, I'll quickly tell you how I got to this point. Um, I had been planning to purchase uh, a Thunderbolt Omni system from, from Avid, which I did, and I paid full price. Uh, and I've been using a, a TDM HD2 PCIe with my uh, Mac Pro for since, oh, I can remember. I can't even remember. I, I started at Pro Tools 8. That's when I got that, those cards. So what I wanted to do was... Um, I had this HD2 system, which I call, with the software, the two cards, and the 192. And uh, I went through Avid's full protocol of, of um, transferring the hardware to a, to a friend of mine. And uh, when, I when I was getting ready to uh, move the iLock asset for the 910 bundle, uh, it's, it came up non-transferable. So, and this was after waiting a week with the iLock fiasco, which is a whole, that, you know, that could be like 50 podcasts if you wanted to go off on that one. Um, and I, and I won't cause mine's working now, but it wasn't good at, at first. So anyway, non-transferable, I kept trying and trying and trying through iLock and the, uh, I got to the point where I used my new Pro Tools 10, 11 bundle, 90-day support code to call Avid for free, which is, thank you guys, um, to deal with this issue. And when I called them, they, uh, at first, they didn't know what I was talking about, like really what the situation. And I was very clear um, with, with Avid support, and I know that these guys are under, you know, they have to deal with many calls every day, so I really tried to, you know, put on my best behavior, uh, and I did up until the point where he just had no clue. So after explaining a few times to him, he uh, wanted to know what my operating system was. So at that point, I said I want to speak to a manager. And he went away for five minutes and came back and said, you need to basically send your iLock to your friend, and then he has to deal with you whenever he, if he wants to upgrade or do anything with that asset through iLock. So at that point, uh, I, had a, I have that solution. I had it ready to go. So that's what has occurred. And what I read online is that the software and the hardware, according to Avid, it's tied together. You cannot sell them individually, even though people do. So here I am uh, with 
formally transferred all of the hardware, which the Avid support person verified, the authorization to actually launch the software is, I was told, on this phone call, was forever tied to me. And I did some searching, and I found out that they changed this policy back in January at the announcement of Pro Tools 11. So I've been trying to find out through Avid why this is so. Why, if on one hand they say it's tied to the hardware, on the other, I cannot move the iLock asset to the now legally rightful owner of, quote, the system. So I have put out some emails and went on the social uh, network system and people are really upset because um, software, I can totally understand the license issue. I, 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 that's my business. People are basically buying a, light, a right to use my sounds. So, but they cannot sell them or transfer them to anybody else either without my permission um, and uh, uh, but basically they can't. Once you own it, you're just using the uh, uh, right to use it. So I get Avid's whole stance on the software, but in my view, I look at this kind of which I think is fairly sane. The software is tied to the hardware. It's one thing. I don't think they can separate both. So uh, that's my problem. I have a friend who has all this wonderful, awesome hardware, um, and believe me, uh, you know I'm not I'm not against Avid Pro Tools. I mean, it's it's the soul of my business. It's the heart of my business. So um, it's very difficult for me to do my work and follow my passion without what they offer. And I've been using it since Pro Tools One. I mean, I'm original sound designer one, you know, user, and uh, it has changed my life. So this was just really disheartening. I was really, you know, anti-corporation yesterday. I was really grumpy. So, and I don't get cranky. You know, it's like, I understand, the, you know, how things work, but this was just really stupid. So, and now I'm getting up and I don't want to swear. So can you guys, can, you know, <laughs> profanity, <laughs> profanity will flow in a minute. No, that's... <laughs> So what do you guys think? I mean, I know you guys, um, I know you can't, you don't want to take any position on this, and I really appreciate you letting me voice this out there because I think it is a concern. I mean, this is an expensive system. This isn't like three ninety nine, you know, and you can kind of kiss it goodbye. I wanted someone to have this system and be able to use it as I used it, and they're not allowing me, and I think they should be brought to task. They should be called out on this. It certainly does seem at odds with other things they've published. We yeah. have contacted Avid for comments on this, but we haven't yet received a response, so maybe next week. In the meantime, anyone else listening who may have had similar problems or you know any other insights, um, do contact us at The Audio Podcast through Twitter or show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Um, yeah, and there's, one, there's been one reply on one of your posts um, I just checked, which was um, someone asked, "Have you spoke with Pace?" Um, um, I have. I have not spoke with Pace because there's nothing they can do without Avid releasing the switch on it. You know, Avid has yep. to instruct uh, Pace to say to make it 
um, transferable. And here's the really wild thing. Well, I, I, I bought Pro Tools, uh, this Thunderbolt system, which has the 1011 bundle, which is fully transferable right this moment. I could transfer it to you if you paid me a lot of money. But, you know, it's that, that license is fully transferable. And my 910 license isn't. And I find that a little bit um, odd. Well, I, sus I, I would suspect that w with such a recent change to the policy is probably driven by the fact that there is a a whole collection of 910 hardware-based systems are about to become obsolete in terms of, you know, as, as we've seen, the Mac Pro replacement isn't going to support them without additional complexity and things like that. So I suspect there's a bit of a business idea running here, which is that, you know, if there's a big market of that about to happen and making it a little bit more difficult is maybe a bit is beneficial for Avid in that kind of sense. Perhaps, um, I, I would agree with your assessment, though, that the hardware and software systems, as reflected by Adam, in, but as reflected by Avid in the documentation we could find, was suggesting that the hardware and software were, you know, forever tied together, and consequently, when you transfer one, you should transfer transfer the other one. So I I just wonder if you've had a a, a disappointing kind of support experience from Avid, and perhaps that's why we wanted to contact them was just to say. You know, sometimes this happens. Say, you know, somebody who is maybe not fully aware of the situation in their job gives some bad mm -hmm. advice, and we'd hate to kind of propagate that as a, as a kind of thing if that's the scenario. So we're keen for Avadir give us some sort of official statement that we can kind of convey on that. But I, I think there's the bigger issue here, which is always, you know, software licensing, which we have quite a few open source orientated guests who come on and talk to us again, and this is always. It's always a concern, isn't it? And it and it's not just Avid. It's the same with Cubase, with Log uh, Cubase, Apple with Logic-based systems. That if you if you buy into a system, then you really at the end of the day you have to kind of play by the rules they set. And you know, all you can really do is like as you've done here is just kind of you know complain, complain to them, then publicly complain, and you know hopefully the community can bear enough pressure that they'll be able to mm -hmm. produce some sort of kind of situation to it, some sort of resolution yeah. to that kind of thing. Um, if, if, if I may say something, you know, it's really weird, um, without getting too political about this, but I kind of feel like um, audio guys are kind of demonized, you know, in, in a sense. I mean, they've, they've, when this iLock thing, you know, to stop piracy and all that other thing. And um, I kind of feel like we have to really us as professional audio people, and I know a lot of people, I mean, you know, who work really hard and they want to, you know, follow their dreams and support their families and they're talented people. And we have to run through these hoops just to launch a piece of software to do our job. I mean, the whole thing is so idiotic in my opinion, you know, what they, the, the, what they go through to prevent piracy um, I can understand. I mean, I don't like my, you know, my sounds being stolen. I'm sure maybe, you know, they are. Um, but my, my business model, there's not much I can do. I mean, so if I could, I probably wouldn't do it anyway because I want people to just be able to, to, to have a resource and use their own, um, uh, uh, I don't know, internal compass on whether they think they should steal it or should they support something um, that will for, will help them give them the tools that they need to do something better. I mean, this is a little um, philosophical, but I got to tell you, I have had a wonderful experience with Avid, you know, since the beginning. Uh, everything's always worked 
um, the way, pretty much the way that they've advertised. It might not have for other people. So without me getting, you know, talking too much here, I just really want to convey that I think um, that overall they make it really, really hard for us, and they really, you know, having your career basically depend on iLock working or not is almost, in my view, and hit me on the head if I'm wrong, it's borderline criminal. It's, 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 it really is. I mean, I, when the iLock went down, my, I couldn't work. Soundliner wouldn't launch. Pro Tools wouldn't launch. Nothing would work. And this is like 60 G's worth of stuff, right? And you're sitting there going, I can't work because some programmers didn't have their act together and make sure the database was correct when they made it public. I mean, I would get more complaints if I did that. If I released a bunch of libraries and they were just sine waves, people would be like, whoa, this is not good. So anyway, I'll stop now because I kind of got going. But I think you get where I'm coming from. You do, and they're interested in important points. Am I going to get? Am I really going? Am I going to get in trouble? I mean, but it's. I mean, I'm. This is. We're tied to these two systems that if they fail, you know, we're we're kind of like you know, in we'll be in the food line. Yeah, I I have to be honest. When the we we talked about the iLock issue when it when it happened as well, and we chatted about that a couple of episodes ago, and I was actually quite shocked that iLock didn't have that Pace hadn't put in place some sort of emergency, we'll just validate everything kind of situation to deal with the kind of their systems going down. Because, mm -hmm. you know, at least worst case scenario is that everybody who normally can do it can still do it, and then you can recover back to the correct situation. I was shocked when it went down in such a way that everybody actually stopped. Dead. I think I think a lot of people were, and a lot of people who know how programming works. I mean, I, I worked at video game companies, and I know a lot of uh, great programmers. And they used to always tell me, don't touch it. If you break one thing, it breaks 18 others. Um, and so I understand the concept, but I, I, I thought it was uh, really shabby. And I understand that they had to do this, and I understand how large their system is, but it was, it was really shoddy. You know, I mean, we should all get $25 Starbucks cards for our trouble. <laughs> Sorry. Certainly so, perhaps, perhaps. Anyway, well, that's I, just me. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going off here, but a lot of people were really upset, and I haven't said some of the, I, I haven't said worse things that I've heard from other people. So, I mean, I'm... We, we appreciate well, your restraint. <laughs> in, indeed so. So, well... Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Frank, and just for yeah. those things. We're, we're more than happy to give you an opportunity. Could you just remind them, saying, people will recognize your name as the recordist, as the guy who puts the sound, uh, sound effect libraries together that we have great joy uh, discussing on the show. Could you just remind people how they can find out about your, your sound libraries and where they can get them, just so they can find out a little bit more about yourself? Well, hopefully they still kind of love me after my little rant, but it, it wasn't, it, you know, it's not anti them at all. Uh, uh, I have the recordist.com. And uh, you can find me all over uh, the place. Uh, I'm even out in the Idaho mountains recording stuff most of the time, and you can find me there. But uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter as Idaho Recordist. But basically, therecordist.com the is where you can find my um, high-definition collections. And without plugging myself too much, um, that's where you can find me. And thank you for using the word joy because that's what I get out of what I do. And uh, I really appreciate you saying that because I just love that word. <laughs>
fantastic. Well, th- thanks a lot for your time, Frank. We'll let you get on with the rest of your day. It's been a pleasure speaking with you once more. I'm making a new library as we speak. Ooh, what's it called? <laughs> or are we not allowed to know? Is that a secret? Uh, well, actually, it's a, it's, I recorded my SUV. It's a big, massive, gas-guzzling gu- Chevrolet Tahoe. And uh, it's, it's got some balls. And I've kind of been recording it over the last six years. And... I don't know. I might call it Interstellar SUV, uh, but basically <laughs> I might just call it the SUV or Idaho SUV or uh, I don't know. <laughs> what, what kind of engines in there? Uh, it's got a. Uh, it's the it's the really big V8 that uh, that Chevy basically had has had the last ninety years perfecting, and uh, she's a beast. But you know, she drops down to four cylinders when you let off the gas, which is great. So. At least when I'm coasting, I'm good on the environment. But I don't drive. I don't drive much. I'm lucky if I put nine thousand miles a year on there. But um, I have a lot of. It's in snow and it's in in on dirt and me passing cool. by, driving around all the roads here. So it should be good. It's just stuff I have and I've had requests for it. So that's. Bye guys. See you later. <laughs> And as, as the audio podcast comes away from the uh, Mechanics Weekly, or whatever we would, whatever we call that, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into the audio podcast show. Uh, the rest of our show is normal here. So um, this is the audio podcast. It's uh, show number 90. You can find, our, find the show notes and everything at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 90. Now, the news, we should do the news in just a weird order, guys, because it doesn't make sense think, unless we do. Uh, on the notes. I think it's yeah. very obvious that we talk about Pro Tools 11 now, and then there are lots of sub-articles related to other companies releasing things for Pro Tools 11. So let's start with the big one. Uh, which It's not so big, actually, because Pro Tools announced Pro Tool, uh, Avid announced Pro Tools 11 a couple of months ago. But now they've actually announced its release, all the details of release, and a lot more information about the differences between 10 and 11. Yeah. So Pro, Pro Tools 11 is, is released, available for OS X 10.8.3, Windows 7, and Windows 8. Are there releases on it there? Um, the, the new features are listed in a handy, quick-to-read 47-page guide. As a yep. PDF, if you went out of the support articles you like. Adam has actually been reading the full Pro Tools 11 manual. How many pages is it, Adam? Uh, that is uh, exactly 1,300 pages. And if you want to download all of the, docu- all the documentation for PT11 in one go, that's a 76 meg download in zip format. So uh, <laughs> there's your reading for the next, oh, I don't know, two months. <laughs> So, but the headline new features are that they have what they're describing as as epic processing power with an all new Avid audio engine. There's also the the new Avid video engine, which lets you play HD video without transcoding right there in Pro Tools timeline. 64-bit stuff and offline bouncing at last. Offline bouncing. (laughs) Is offline bouncing really a new feature? For yes. Pro Tools, it is, yeah. Wow. It is, wow. Yeah. wow, that's incredible. Welcome welcome to the 90s. <laughs> um, one thing I was interested in is that they're also changing the structure of the software that they sell a little. So previous versions of Pro Tools, you'd have, uh, well, at least from 10, you'd have normal Pro Tools, you have Pro Tools HD, uh, but you'd also have a kind of intermediate upgrade pack that's called Complete Production Toolkit, which uh, adds a few extra things and costs quite a lot of money 
uh, it's only it's really useful for people maybe who are doing surround sound type stuff. Um, I've been looking up because there was always something that I wanted from that toolkit in normal Pro Tools, but I didn't want to spend the hundreds of pounds to get the upgrade. And in 11, there actually there won't be a complete production toolkit, and all of the things that were in this toolkit are now in Pro Tools 11 HD, not in normal Pro Tools 11. So there's another little uh, another little thing. It's I don't know if it's this cool though, because you know, do, do you want to have to buy Pro Tools 11 HD? To just have these extra things, it would have been nicer to just roll them into the the stock Pro Tools, as far as I see. But uh, anyway, so um, be aware of that. Anyone who uses Pro Tools Complete Production Toolkit. So another feature of Pro Tools 11, which is a little bit a little bit weird, but I think it's important. It's probably important to us for us to mention is the fact that Pro Tools 11 is actually supported running alongside Pro Tools 10.3.6 or higher as well. Now, the reason for them supporting Pro Tools two two versions of Pro Tools on the one system is because Pro Tools 11 is now 64-bit and has switched over has has switched as was announced with Pro Tools 10 when it came out, didn't it? That they're no longer going to be supporting the RTAS plugins. It's the new plugin format for Pro Tools 11 only. AAX. So, yeah. So that's um. So that that was a, that's a big change as well. So there's obviously and as we alluded to, and we'll talk about them in a minute. There's a whole load of support announcements regarding that from various kind of subsidiary kind of supporting companies. Yep. The AAX in Pro Tools 11 is only 64-bit. Everything 64-bit there. So. Yeah, previous 32-bit AAX plugins. Yeah. I have a need updating if that's available, or they just went wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. I'm saying something I don't know before we talk, start talking about the supporting stuff. Something that strikes me as interesting here is that it seems a very considering we had the Mac Pro announcements just a couple of weeks ago. This or even last week, wasn't it? This is. It strikes me this must be a really difficult update for Pro Tools to forever to actually be working with now because while Pro Tools, you know. You can imagine they probably spent a lot of time getting the support right and you know the connectivity right for all of the kind of you know hardware-based system, you know the Pro Tools hardware-based systems, which are actually which were all essentially made redundant last week. <laughs> yes, that's true. There will only and also there are only going to be a certain subset of Mac Pro, um, the current generation of Mac Pro or style of Mac Pro that could work with Pro Tools 11 and Pro Tools 10. There are certain Mac Pros that, are, that aren't supported on it. So there's a very slim set of computers that, will, um, that you can use for certain installations of Pro Tools, though. It's not all of them, because Frank was just talking about getting the Thunderbolt Omni set up. So he's obviously thinking ahead and going for one that he knows will be future-proof. Yeah, uh, uh, certainly so. I'm just thinking for anybody who bought new hardware with Pro Tools 10, because obviously there was the Pro Tools 10 uh, hardware from Pro Tools 10 onwards was kind of indicated that would, you know, it was indicated what would offer Pro Tools 11 support at that point. So there's still people who will have invested in, you know, in, in interfaces which are now going to struggle to find hosts for other than using Windows platform, I guess, which is... And, and yeah, those I think a lot of people probably are on Windows. Yeah. And those interfaces are like thousands of pounds each. 
So it's a significant investment. So I guess there are probably a few people out there who are like a bit... <laughs> thanks to Avid's decisions and Apple's decisions. I guess so. um, I think... Yeah. It feels we've maybe been... I hope we haven't been battering Avid because we haven't... Because it isn't our intention to do that. And I think we should acknowledge the a, a couple of... You know, one key thing, which is the fact that Avid are actually... While we've maybe highlighted a situation where there is some ambiguity, Avid are actually really very good at being clear about what is and what is not supported and yes. under what terms it is or is not supported. I, I was thinking about this, um, we'll get on to you know, some other stories, but I was just thinking, how easy is it to find out what Nuendo is supported under and under what systems will, is it guaranteed to work? And that's actually a little bit, there, is, there are kind of broad guidelines to that, but it's actually, there isn't the kind of level of commitment, whereas Pro Tools will actually, you know, Pro Tools well, Avid say it'll work on this computer. Yeah. yeah, they say they actually test specific computers and say it works with this one, it works with this one. It is not supportable for these for these ones. We don't know. Um, yeah. It is unknown. So I mean that's a good thing. And also you've got to say, you know, that they're designing their kit, and I'm sure they had the rug pulled out from underneath them with you know Apple waiting so long to update the Mac Pro, and now the new update is. We were never sure if they were going to get rid of PCIe, really, were we? There was never any sure, like, yes, it's going. To, we're just going to be on Thunderbolt. You know, you could have guessed it, but um, a lot of the problem is with Apple. Yeah, I, I think the problem with the Apple update that made it difficult was that ditching external cards, considering the nature of the kind of typical pro user, was always, always. While it seemed obvious in terms of the writing on the wall, it was a massive decision. Like I, I, I'm still completely unconvinced by it. I think that many people, when presented with the option of ditching their external cards and sticking Mac or switching Windows, a lot of them are probably going... I still think a lot of people... There's a great opportunity for Microsoft to pick a lot of people up there if they play their cards right with that, or you know, for the various kind of workstation makers to do that. Cause... They have to make the right kind of um, computer, though. And I did have a look at the Windows compatibility for uh, PC computers, and it's a very short list. There are some HP workstations and a, a Dell workstation, and, and that's about it. But that's the, but but if you think about it, that's the point because those HP workstations are machines that are well are the equivalent of Mac Pros are actually exponentially more powerful now because they're updated on a kind of three to six month cycle, and they're machines that those makers will stand behind in the way that Apple stand behind their pro stand behind the Mac Pros. So. It's not surprising that's it, and I and quite often I think that's people's problem is that they spend, you know, they spend five six hundred pounds on a Windows PC that they've built themselves and expect it to be rock solid. When in fact, if you spend a couple of thousand pounds and buy a built supported device from you know supported workstation from HP, then you get the equivalent of what a Mac Pro would be, and it costs about the same amount of money. Mm. So. I, I think, you know, whereas Apple have abandoned the external cards, I think there's a great opportunity for HP or Dell on the workstation side to kind of say, well, actually, we still run the cards. We're willing to provide you the level of support you're used to. And this means you can keep, you know, you can reuse your old hardware and that's going to save you thousands of pounds, which I think it's a big risk by Apple, actually, I think. And, well, and Avid, Avid have covered their backs by producing some Thunderbolt equipment as well. So, yeah. You know, you don't don't have to worry too much. And there are also uh, Thunderbolt chassis, uh, external chassis. Yeah, well, the external chassis is the kind of was is the other option really. But and I, 
I think the problem most people have with an external chassis is it just kind of throws another thing into the mix. It's like, you know, that that's the problem with the Windows world is that you end up having lots of bits and they all have to work together. Whereas the Apple beauty was always you have a Mac and you can be guaranteed it's going to work with this card because that's tested. Whereas are Avid going to introduce, you know, kind of 10, you know, check 10 different enclosures with every version of the computer to see which one works or not. So. Mm. That's tricky. Okay, so you know, big implications for Pro Tools 11 from the Avid side. Of course, your third parties are going to have to start producing AAXs. There are already plenty of AAX plugins out there, but we've got some news of some more uh, that are particularly um, Pro Tools 11 compatible. And that starts with uh, Arturia and, well, quite a few plugins in this list. Um. Yeah. So Pretoria have announced the availability of the AAX updater. This is actually, I think this is a really clever solution. You download this and run it, and it automatically handles the updating for you. And it will up update to AAX for you as well, and also run in any minor updates that have happened. So this is a really cool solution. Um, it brings support to 64-bit AAX native support for the V collection. Um, so SEMV, the Jupiter 8V, Willitzer, Mini, Mini V, Modular V, uh, Profit V and a couple of other ones as well. Um, it doesn't, however, have any support for uh, Sparkle, um, or Sparkle or the Spark Creative Drum Kit, uh, Brass 2 or the Analog Laboratory. Ah. I, I had to go looking for the non-supported items far more closely. They weren't. The, the supported <laughs> items were um, the supported items were emailed to me. Uh, looking for the, the non-supported non ones, you had to go. Detail. You had to effectively go down into the cellar and take a big key and unlock a big safe, and that's where they were. It, was, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was close. <laughs> Along with a post-it note saying AAX compatible update on its way. Yeah, so, for, for Spark so 1.7, which is yet to be released. Right. <laughs> in, in the near future. Um, okay, so that's Arturia. Uh, Black Cat have also added support for Pro Tools 11 for... Uh, a number of their plugins, including the uh, Liney or Liney EQ protector, oscilloscope multi, uh, stereoscope multi. The, there's a, a list of them, and you can head to our show notes and see that list if you want, or you can head to their website. Cool. So uh, heading away from the world of Pro Tools, um, Motu have announced the driver update. Um, when you, uh, if, you're, if you don't want your hardware to become legacy and unsupported, <laughs> then there's a clear company to go for. Uh, so the, the new update, um, I, I love the way they do their like update blurb. I downloaded the changelog, fix it, fixed an issue with MIDI input. So there you go. That is what this fixes. And um, this is for this is for ten point five plus users, people who yeah. are running Leopard. I mean that's fantastic. Hey, I'm on ten point six. The supported products, the supported products are all the normal stuff you would expect. The uh, supported legacy products for this update include the 1224, the 1296, the 2408, which is just incredible. That is like ancient. That, yeah. that is ancient stuff. Like if you keep on going, you get to, you got the 2408 Mark II, the 24i, the 308, and then the original 828. So the original 828, because I know my, you know, there's times when I know my equivalent hardware. So the original 828 would have been matched against the Digi 001, wouldn't it? Uh, something like that, and you know that I used to have a 2408 over 10 years ago, probably um, year 2000 kind of time, 2001. Yeah. I had a 248 Mark II, so the 2408 is even older than that. My dad had one of those, so we're talking late I mean, 90s for that. And the one I don't know what date the 1224 is. If we, one of you guys should quickly look it up, but yeah, 
So we, I don't once even again, know what that is. Well, once, the... once again, Motu, while we are while we are disappointed with your lack of Linux driver support, we are nonetheless uh, salute you for your incredible uh, product support in the long distance. Oh, the the twelve twenty four looks really old school. It's uh, I think it's an expander for the twenty four oh eight system. Fantastic. So, uh, so there you go. That's right, because the the twenty four oh eight had a card, uh, a PCI card, and then you could attach multiple units to that. So it would be different uh, inputs and outputs, that kind of thing, a modular system. So there you go. Go Motu. That's a great thing. Um, should we do these in order? Or yeah, I, I let's just go like, in order. I kind of like to talk about Cubase now because we're talking about soft uh, computer software, and then we can talk about Songbird. Okay then, so Cubase Elements <laughs> 7 has been released. Yay! Yay. <laughs> if, if you've activated Cubase Elements 6 since April the 15th, it's a free upgrade, so you can just go do it. Um, it features the new Mix console, EQ and dynamic channel strips, the VST amp rack, and 350 new sounds for the Halion Sonic SE. It also has FLAC import and export support, SoundCloud integration, and 64-bit rewire compatibility. Now, I wonder if that FLAC support actually supports the new version of FLAC released right. just, the, uh, just the other day. Uh, this is great. It's, it's <laughs> six years, but there's a new version of FLAC that has been released by uh, Ziff. That's, it, it's just incredible. I, I was like... Um, I, I heard about the FLAC update via the via the H or via Linux Outlaws. I don't remember. And um, and I was just it was it was just wow, like an update in six after six years, incredible. It's worth mentioning. So there we go. To be honest, <laughs> it is it is a minor update which doesn't really affect any significant practical use of FLAC. But FLAC is the free lossless audio codex. So. Yes, I I use FLAC myself. So I who knows how long it might take before. It comes through to me, but hey, it's it's nice that they're still doing something with that. Um, continuing the the idea of uh, or continuing on the open source side. Unfortunately, the open source uh, what is it? Media player, I suppose. Songbird uh, is well. It's not no more yet, but it will be soon. Well, it, it's actually been no more for a while, really. Um, is the correct way of looking at the the company who originally started the Songbird project, um, Potty Inc. I guess would be the one way to say P O T I I Inc. are um, <laughs> are, are shutting up shutting up shop. Um, they, they they're ceasing to exist. Um, they 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 no longer feel it's viable for them to support development of Songbird, so they have um, they they've stopped. Songbird was really interesting in the first couple of years because it was kind of doing media management and media browsing in a different way. And then they decided it would be a good idea to just make it look like iTunes, which is what they did. So then it became a version of iTunes. It looked like iTunes, but it didn't work with iTunes and it didn't quite yeah. do everything. And it, did. it didn't work with iPods was the main problem. Yeah. And then they dropped Linux support for it, at which point the project was forked into Nightingale, which continued on obviously with everybody who could, who, you know, who wanted Linux support, which turned out to be a lot of the community contributors and as a consequence Nightingale really outstripped Songbird anyway. So that that's the kind of background to, to to the story. So if you were using Songbird still why um, <laughs> and you can use Nightingale instead. 
But I, I thought it was worth noting that Songbird was officially it's it's commercial backer was no it's essentially going to be no more at the end of the month. And so, you know, worth mentioning if you're a Songbird user and you hadn't realized then it's time to, well well the beauty of open source is you can actually just continue using it if you wanted to. And not only that, the source code is available so you could continue adding new features to it yourself as well which is the beauty of open source yeah because it's or it's so easy to just go and learn c++ and and add new features to your own version of your media player <laughs> i i i acknowledge your point there adam i think <laughs> So as we um as we this, move away from this I have issue no idea birds, what story is going to be next. This is really hard to follow this week. We're all over the place. Go on. Okay, what? no, no, well, but I, now I, this I, is no, this no. Is... I, I was doing it. I was doing it, Mon. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay, okay, you're doing as it. As we Can consider places that you could only get to with flight, Sam has an exciting story for us from Sweden. Um, yeah, Sweden. They sent an email in the week wishing us all happy midsummer, and um, but that's that's beside the point. The point is that there's two new pieces of software were announced. One is Thor for the iPad. Thor being a, one of the synthesizers that was built for the Reason Rack. And they've now taken the audio engine, made it available as an iPad app. And going in the opposite direction, sort of, kind of, um, Korg Monopoly, which was originally an analog synth, has been released by Korg for Reason as a Rack extension. Cool. So we've got things going in and out of the Rack there. That's there it. There Oh. Awesome stuff. That's great stuff from Propeller, Propellerhead, which is which is always cool. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. And you, you know what I believe this leads us to? The end of the news section, which we kind of wandered ponderously through in a in a in an order different to that on the show notes when we did the show. I guess they'll all be switched around. No, uh, no, they're going to stay exactly no, as they are. They're going to stay they're like gonna... that. Okay. <laughs> so if you're following the show notes uh, with this episode, uh, realize that we decided to do them out of order. Really just for just the heck of fun. it. Yeah. You can just be <laughs> scrolling up and down frantically like I have been. <laughs> Remember, okay, you can, however, find the show notes. You can, however, find the show notes at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 90. And if it has angered you the way that we have thrown the structure to the wind then feel free to send us a tweet to that effect and we will almost certainly ignore it <laughs> it's our show we'll do it the way we want however we reserve one... the right to be erratic no no one structural thing that one structural paradigm that still exists in the audio podcast is, is when the news finishes we come to another section and in this case it's plunder who are? Arg. Who are? Arg. Who are? So, I, I put both the plunder items on, but I'm really keen to take a lead on the second item. I don't know if somebody else. Okay, the, well, then the first one is. Um, <laughs> the first one I've like never read before. before. Let's read it right now. Outside music, the dark outside return. Oh, yes, yes. I, I know a little bit about this. Cool. This was actually on a uh, an, an Ars Technica article in the last few days. So, basically, up in. Is it Scotland or is it in. Uh, it is indeed Scotland. It is indeed Scotland, in, Adam. Yes. In Scotland, a very remote area in a forest, uh, Galloway Forest, um, basically will be made. Music will be made available over radio, and that music, um, basically, when you're there, there's there's no t telephone signal, there's no data signal, there's no internet, effectively. So you're basically cut off. And the idea is you go into the forest 
and you experience 24 hours worth of music, stroke sound, uh, coming through on a, a radio frequency. And then, after that, all the sound that you hear will be destroyed, so you could never hear it again. So it's a, a very uh, um, ephemeral experience of uh, live music broadcast over radio, effectively. So it's uh, Saturday, August the 31st from 12pm, running to Sunday, September 1st, 12pm at the Murray, uh, Murray's Monument in the Galloway Forest. And it's free. Like you can just, obviously you just turn up, bring yourself an FM radio. The, um, the details of what to tune it to are up on the, on the website. You can just tune in and wander around the forest, get lost and listen to the, listen to the transmission. And it kind of conjures uh, up some kind of like post-apocalyptic kind of scenario. And you know that when people do those um, like zombie games in, in cities and stuff where like they'll chase yeah. each other around. And it kind of reminds me a bit like that on some kind of weird level. Well, there is, also, like the... there, there is also some in installed little features as well in that they're planning on putting, um, they're getting radios from charity shops, which they're going to tune into it as well. So there will be a little directed walk, a kind of directed structure to the top of the, to the monument. So you can walk along and hear the transmission being played out of these kind of old radios as well. It, it strikes me as I, I love outdoor music. I think it's exciting. I think, uh, you know, electronic outdoor music is something I'm really excited about and is really still awkward and complex to do in many ways. And this, for me, was a fascinating solution to the problem. Scott, and, Scott, uh, Scott, are, really you gonna go, are you going to go to it? I'd, I'd really like to. I, I haven't considered the practicalities of it at all, but I am really, really keen to go, yes. So... Are you cool. feeling we might have an audio podcast trip then? Oh, there's an interesting idea. We we could broadcast the audio podcast. No, we Wouldn't couldn't. Wouldn't that undermine it somehow? <laughs> well, they don't have an internet signal there, supposedly. So um, We could we take a really long Ethernet cable. Yeah. <laughs> we could, look, we could do like cable. the old school version of the audio podcast and record it oh. and then put it on. Don't well, we, it should, we should consider the practicalities of this further and report back once we have made a decision. All right, so yeah, the, you might be hearing the audio podcast from the middle of a forest uh, in September sometime. Uh, Scott, on to your favourite article of the whole week. So this, this is incredible. What hi-fi, you know, what hi-fi, you, how you feel about what is up to yourself, what hi-fi obviously review hi-fi equipment. And there's many, um, you know, the, the really expensive hi-fi world is full of lots of niche products with questionable values. But what hi-fi nonetheless faithfully review these items and discuss their, uh, you know, the importance of them, their relevance of them and such. And it was brought to my attention via the Twitter feed that what hi-fi had delivered what could only be described as an unmissable and insightful review. And I thought to myself, what could this item be? What sort of item would, would have such a level of review? And... Indeed, the item that was reviewed in detail with clear pictures as well is a mains plug. A mains plug. Right. Not a kettle lead, as you wrote in the um, news no. item there. It's, it's, a, it's a figure of eight connection mains plug. Yeah. So you don't, you don't plug a kettle in with a figure of eight lead. You plug a radio in. So now there, there is an opportunity for people to contribute their own opinion to this review and comments. And I would like to encourage all of the audio podcast listeners to uh, comment on this post. What, what I love about it is the fact that it's, a, it's a, a power cable and it got two stars out of five. I mean, how can you get a, ca a power cable so wrong? <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it is cheap, but in no way cheerful. 
This Lightron <laughs> is very false economy. It's just the, now, the review has the little for and against that breakdown at the top, which they managed to break the four items into <laughs> two into two yeah. bullet points, despite it just saying, "Well, it's cheap enough." Was it an error or was that a joke and done? I think that's a joke. But against is everything else imaginable. Now, <laughs> interestingly, this this reminded me of uh, a particular joke. Um, you know, on Amazon. Um, there are some products where everyone just goes crazy and does like joke reviews that are, are brilliant. It reminded me of a Denon one, uh, of, of a cable for uh, a Denon system, and I've just found it. I've actually sent you the link in the Hangout uh, chat window, so you can have a look okay. at it. We it's did review for... some. We did plunder something. I don't know if it's the exact one, but I, I don't know. But this is the Denon AKDL1 dedicated link cable, which. I think it's supposed to just connect directly between. It's a proprietary cable to connect directly between Denon um, audio and visual equipment, and basically everyone just goes crazy and uh, and 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 that's it. Basically, uh, I I would say go to there too if you want to laugh. Now I. I have to admit that I have become distracted by an advert on this page, and I'm quickly uh, quickly googling it here, but um. According to the advert on the page, the, um, th there is obviously a shop that sells mains cables who have delivered an advert to here, but they are listing the... They, they do have as part of the advert what Hi-Fi 2010 award-winning mains cables. So I'm just trying to find out if this is actually true. Oh, oh no. Now the, the audio podcast is basically turning into a let's do a live internet search. <laughs> it's been worse, Adam. It's... It has been worse. This is at least kind of fun. I, I I don't want to know. I I've I've searched and I am concerned that it um it, it seems to be a search that somebody else has typed before because it did autocomplete correctly. So I I'm going to stop because I suspect that this is not the level of insightful commentary that people are used to from the audio podcast. Then no, so maybe we should wrap up. It has been quite a long show. We had Frank Brion at the top of the show talking about his trouble with Avid, and then we talked about other stuff in a random order. And yeah. This has been. Did we say when we're recording this? It's Wednesday, the twenty-sixth of June, twenty thirteen. There you go. There you go. So yes, we have the some. audio podcast. This has been the audio podcast, episode ninety. It arrived. Um, I've been Scott Hewitt. I'm Samuel Freeman. And uh, and myself, wondering what it was that has arrived. I'm Adam Yanch. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>